0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This week, we're doing something a little different. In honor of finally getting Drive All Night, Tour All Night, and Never Shut Up on Spotify, we're going to celebrate by bringing you a little something from our Drive All Night Plus archives. For those who don't know, Drive All Night Plus is our private podcast exclusively for Patreon supporters at the $10 level and up. Drive All Night Plus is the place where we explore special topics related to the Tori canon. Lost songs, forgotten songs, songs that maybe should have been forgotten... But all this year on Drive All Night Plus, we're bringing you our reconditioned, remastered, and reworked episodes from the Little Earthquakes album. Those episodes that we did at the very beginning, 15 minutes long, now they're three hours. Get ready. But a long time ago, before any of that, Amber Rose started a frenzy for us with a little discovery that she made. Well, I'll let her tell you the story. So here's Nothing Like a Man. And when you're done with this episode, we encourage you to hit up Spotify and follow our shows. And while you're at it, take a listen to some of our old episodes. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Drive All Night. Bye. Drive All Night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com slash Amos. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's Patreon.com slash SongsofToryAmis to help us continue to make high-quality and Torytainment for you.
1: Good morning, Palace of Pleasure Party place. This is Bonnie. How may I help you?
2: Good morning, Bonnie. This is Richard Wells calling.
1: Richard Wells! The Richard Wells! Oh, planning a party, are you, Mr. Wells? Oh,
2: you're a bright one, Bonnie. I'd like to place an order. Are you ready? Ready, Mr. Wells. Okay, I want the following items delivered to 69 Willow Lane by 8 a.m. tomorrow. Let's see, I'm going to need some red and white roses, about two dozen long-stemmed, some champagne, you know, that brand I like, and a continental breakfast for two and a king-sized floating raft. Have you got all that?
1: Uh, two dozen roses, champagne, continental breakfast, and a king-sized floating raft all of this before noon. Hmm, she sounds very special if you don't mind me saying so, Mr. Wells.
2: Well, she's very, very special, Bonnie.
1: She's a lucky girl, whoever she is.
0: Our story today starts with Amber. Hi, Amber. Hi. Tell us how you discovered Tori Amos.
3: Well, you know, as a teenager, a young teenager, and would hear her on the radio, but they would never say who the artist was. So, like, I would hear Cornflake Girl and God and I think crucify and fallen all these years and um but I just never knew who the singer was <laughs> and finally like I, I saw a music video a crowd of like me when she must have started promoting boys for Pele and I was like whoa that's amazing I love that song and then finally I got boys for Pele and then eventually got under the pink and then little earthquakes and realized this is a This is the gal I was looking for.
0: This is the woman I've been waiting for all my
4: life.
3: Yes. (laughs) And I I really only listened to Cloud Like Sneeze over and over and over when I first got the record because, you know, I listened to it and I was like, whoa, this is intense. I didn't really. It was a lot. (laughs) So I just um, listened to that a lot. And then I heard a remix of Hey Jupiter, the Dakota version on the radio. And then that kind of got me to listen to the album more, and then I was just hooked. And I got my friend into listening to her, and then she was finding singles at a record store, which I kind of knew about, but not really. You know, I was like 14 or 15, and so then I started buying singles, and then I was like, I have more Tory CDs than you.
4: <laughs>
0: and
3: and then that kind of snowballed, and I think I have way more than she has now.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you're a huge collector, so... Yeah, I am. So let's fast forward. Tell us what happened.
3: Well, you know, I look at stuff on eBay, you know, pretty regularly for Tory stuff and um, for Tory items. And this auction came up saying, Super Rare, Rugburn CD, Cindy Marble. And, you know, I've heard of Cindy Marble. I knew that that was her friend.
0: Bassist for the Rugburns, Corey Lombardelli. Hi. Um, Where did the name come from? Rugburns.
3: Rugburns came um,
5: from actually, it's kind of embarrassing, but yeah, Cindy was, we just, you know, because we fell in love and um, the sex was part of that. So I think we both ended up with it with a bunch of (laughs) rugburns.
0: The Rugburns hit the Los Angeles music scene in the late 80s. They played many gigs around Los Angeles, but flew to Germany for what was undoubtedly the highlight for the band, opening for the Nina Hagen Group at the Tempo Drone in West Berlin. The Rugburns were initially formed by Corey Lombardelli and dynamic vocalist Cindy Marble. talk to us a little bit about the beginning of the Rugburns?
5: I had a friend that I was playing, I started playing in another band, uh, Liquid Sky, and we were working on a demo, and then uh, we started auditioning singers. One day this, uh, this girl shows up, and I kind of thought, like, I don't know about her clothing choice. The first time she came, she was coming from taking care of her horse. So she was kind of like, you know, have like, dirty jeans and stuff on and (laughs) she did really good at the audition and they they liked her a lot so um the night that we picked her we had a meeting and I can I can just remember this meeting because you know we were trying to figure out the name of the band and and then you know talk about this new singer and the main thing was that nobody was to date her. Uh, they thought, well, that won't work out if somebody starts dating her.
0: But you did date, right?
5: There was kind of some weird stuff that happened with the bandmates, um, the two other guys that were in the band. There were some arguments starting up, and so I asked her out. <laughs> I was like, do you want to go out there?
1: <laughs> life stream blowing. Pits. You're on top Push you right out to, of
0: the okay so you find the rugburn CD on eBay
3: um part of the description in it talks about a song nothing like a man which I knew there were lyrics you know, there's like unreleased song lyrics on yesed.com. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's on there. And it does say, written by Tori, Melissa, and Cindy Marble. And, you know, it's, it mentions that it's in this movie called The Party. And I was like, well, what the heck is that? <laughs> I never heard of it. So I started just like Googling it and looking it up. And it was I found some old um, postings on a message board
6: talking about it. December 28, 2004. Not too long ago, I bought a video titled The Party at a store that was unloading a lot of its VHS tapes. I'd never heard of it or the director, C.J. Leverton. The store had put a horror sticker on it, though it turned out not to belong to the horror genre at all. I couldn't find anything on the internet about the party with a Google search. Of the 12 names listed on the box, only two are on the internet movie database. One of its actors, Mark Derwin, and the director of photography, Sandra Chandler. There's no synopsis on the back of the box, just four pictures with four captions. Looking for a little fun? The magic of mischief, out-of-this-world fantasies, the final engagement. The cover is black, and the tagline is, There's no escaping, and the title, The Party, is in red. I watched the credits closely so that I could submit them to the IMDb. It will take a while for them to show up. Towards the end were the soundtrack credits. Nothing like a man performed and arranged by Rug Burns, written by Cindy Marble and Tori Amos. An internet search informed me that Nothing Like a Man was an unpublished Tori Amos song, copyrighted in 1987. HTTP colon slash slash www.google.com slash search question mark H L equals E N ampersand L R equals ampersand S A F E equals off ampersand G equals percent 2 B percent 2 2 Tory plus Amos percent two two plus percent two B percent two two Cindy plus Marble percent two two plus percent two B percent two two nothing plus like plus a plus man percent two two and percent BTN capital G equals search. Rugburns was Cindy Marble's band. Chris. So
3: then I was looking on eBay for it, and all I could find was a Betamax tape.
0: <laughs> the fact and, that it was uh, on there at all, though, right?
3: <laughs> I know! Which was also kind of strange, like, this super obscure, rare movie that just happened to be on eBay at the same time. At the
0: same time. was it? And it was not the same seller, right?
3: No, not at all.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, not
3: at all. Because they were, you know, different states or whatnot. and. And I actually have a friend that has a Betamax player, and he said he could convert it, but you know, then I'd have to mail it and all this kind of thing, and um, it would take a while. So then I was like, you know, I should ask Dor.
7: Well, I got a Facebook message. Was It, it would have been just earlier that same day from yeah. my friend Amber in Minneapolis. Dor Dotson. Now, I had seen her Facebook update, I mean, she had asked on Facebook a few days earlier and I didn't respond because I couldn't help her, but she asked me privately in a message, she says, Dora, you know, I know your husband made a movie about, um, you know, home video, about VHS and the like, so I need, I have a tape that's on Betamax, can he help me get the tape from Betamax to, like, my computer? So I so I got right on it and I, I think I did ask you like you know honey do you have can you put her in touch with somebody in Minneapolis or something that might be able to transfer from Betamax and
0: and she wanted it digitally. She, yeah, yeah, I mean
7: she yeah. she and I was like what is this all about though? Like I had, I don't know, I had a little I had a little feeling that it might be right. something interesting. And um I was like what's the story? And she's you know she told me I was that like
3: hey, I've come across this weird thing about this movie called The Party and it supposedly has this story most song in it and she was like, "Really?"
7: And I was like, "Oh, so you don't necessarily need what's on this Betamax. You just you want to see this movie." I was like, "I actually do think I can possibly help you out with that because if there's like somebody who knows how to, how to get a hold of a, a a rare only on VHS shot on video <laughs> movie from the 80s, it is my husband Josh Johnson."
2: So, tell us what you do, Josh. I'm a filmmaker, Okay. and uh, I am looking to maybe get into some theatrical productions as well. Um, Tell people
0: about your incredible documentary.
2: It's a documentary called Rewind This. Uh, it's uh, about the home video revolution and the impact of videotape coming out, uh, and it sort of spirals out in a lot of different directions from there, and it's available on any kind of streaming platform or uh, download site. You can get it on DVD on Amazon. It's uh, easy to find. And what do you do, Dor?
0: I
7: have a company called Genuine Article where I do crowdfunding for filmmakers and social
0: media for films. So you guys like films then, huh? Just a little. So
2: you you turned to your husband,
0: Josh Johnson, and you say what?
2: Well, I mean, the initial conversation before you had gotten to that point with her, like when you had just seen the first message, is you did ask me if I knew somewhere in Minneapolis where she could get it transferred. And I had uh, suggested a couple labs that, you know, do those kind of like... Taped to digital transfers, um, and it was while you continued the conversation there that you found out that that's not necessarily what she needed. She just wanted to see the movie, and. Uh I online you know there are a few forums that I participate in which are really just comprised of a a very small number of people that are obsessed with obscure films that have slipped between the cracks and videotape collectors and you know oftentimes what they'll do is you know if there's something that somebody really wants or that they aren't able to track down or find they'll uh, rip it and share a file to you know uh, essentially it's now the online internet age version of uh making a copy of a tape to give to a friend so that they can see this thing and i just looked on there i posted and asked uh for a copy of this movie the party if anybody knew about it and one person did and they were able to send me a file later that same night
7: what yep so when i finally got back to amber it was not to say you know actually good news i think he'll be able to get this but rather to say uh good news I'm, I'm i'm watching the movie right now <laughs> <laughs> and i'll let you know when it gets to the part <laughs> uh because apparently there's a song on here that we want to hear um
3: so she managed to find a digital copy of it which was pretty exciting so then we got to hear it
0: did you watch the digital copy
3: I did, but I didn't actually watch the whole movie. I I probably should have before (laughs) we are chatting, but I did watch the part where they play the song, which is pretty funny. Um, I don't know if you watched it. I
0: did. Okay, so so now you're watching this movie. Mm -hmm. It's the same night, one hour later. So tell us what this movie is about.
7: So this is a film um, about a woman who is... Newly engaged. Uh, I wouldn't say the film is super complex and story driven. It's not something that's hard to follow plot wise. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a. Is it
0: appropriate to call it a film? Is it was it shot a pr- on a VHS tape, right?
7: Yeah, but this was common around that time, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, maybe you could say movie instead of film yeah. since, you know, it didn't originate on film, but I mean, I, it's certainly intended to be something that you watch like a movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. A movie.
7: Yeah. So. She has just gotten engaged to her husband. I mean, her fiancé is very wealthy, uh, which is odd because um, the production values in the house where they shot don't necessarily match that
0: They don't scream well?
7: No. But so and uh, he kind of devises this really elaborate and fun proposal and then he goes on to um, orchestrate an exciting bachelorette
0: party for her. For his own fiance,
7: yeah, which is an a- atypical. Um, no, so I mean, it really is just that the the um, it's a party group of, group of gals, pretty much hanging out during the daytime yeah, for reasons weird. I'm
0: not sure of, but I'd be curious to know because it's easier to shoot in the daytime because you get more light.
7: I think that's exactly right, but uh, I I think it's an, it's an it's an interesting approach to a bachelorette party. Um, and what makes it even more interesting is when a camera crew shows up um, and starts to document it all. And, she, you know, she's initially kind of hesitant, doesn't know that she wants to let, you know, a, basically like an extra type of uh, Access Hollywood show into f- filming her. But she goes with it. She's Sean.
1: It wasn't really a challenge. It was an accident, Sandra. <laughs> Can you clarify that for me? Well... He pulled me out of a snowbank, and I didn't capture him, he captured me. Oh, all you ladies out there looking for that certain bachelor? Advice from the Bachelorette of the Year. Chase him till he catches you.
3: (laughs) 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 Kathy? I'm sure Insider's
1: Views' viewers would love to see what really goes on at a bachelorette party. Could we stay with you, Bachelorette of the Year, and record history in the making? Yes. 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 Sure, it's obviously okay with my yes. friends. <laughs> uh,
6: <yeah>. Great. Great. <laughs> Great. Great. So, can I talk to
3: you
6: a minute? Oh, certainly. Listen. Um, I don't think it's, like, appropriate right now for you to uh, be filming us. We're in the middle of the party. We're going to be opening presents. But you're welcome to stay, and how about some champagne? Oh,
1: I appreciate the offer, but I never drink on the job
7: just goes from there there's a lot of uh, bachelorette party antics and it's about it's about what the movie brings to the table
4: and
0: can you describe for our audience who has likely not seen this movie what the <laughs> climactic moment is of the movie for a tory fan
7: well the moment has got to be right around the what 30 the 35 minute mark uh which is over halfway right it's the an film. hour long uh, where the film busts into, would you call it a fashion show? It would be...
0: I would not call it a fashion show because there's less and less fashion as the scene progresses.
7: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and we weren't sure how will we recognize when it is the part of the <laughs> of the movie that, uh, that the song is going to come on. All we know about the song is that it's called Nothing Like a Man. And actually, we had the lyrics because they were on Yes Said, which I don't know how they got there. But um they got there and that's maybe how we kn- how Amber knew that it was a song at all although I don't know for sure um so all we know is that the song's called Nothing Like a Man the lyrics are the lyrics <laughs> and uh, will we even recognize it cuz you know yes Tori wrote it but she was the things that she was writing back then I don't know that they necessarily had her you know had her signature I mean or even what that would would look like um, thankfully the movie Gives us a really nice cue because some uh, like one of the ladies from the bachelorette party takes like takes the stage to introduce the striptease slash fashion show. And she says, because, you know, ladies, there's nothing like a man or something. Cue the music. Yeah. And then the song plays in full over a striptease.
0: Yeah. And in, in, in its entirety with no dialogue over it, yeah, which
7: I'm I think we're very lucky. To, to have Gotten. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Shocking. considering that's going to—I I I think we can give up on waiting for the soundtrack to be
0: released. <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving up. I always, yeah. ho- I always hold that hope. I never give up. I respect that about you. Did you like the movie, you guys?
7: You know, I as think— an, As
0: a married couple?
2: You know, it's—yes, I, I would say that I did enjoy the film. I'm not totally certain that I enjoyed the film— in the way or on the level that I was intended to, but <laughs> I found it to be very pleasurable watching. Yeah,
0: how were? How do you feel you were intended to enjoy the film?
2: Well, I have a kind of theory that may be completely incorrect Hit about us.
0: Hit us with that theory
2: where this film comes from. You know, in 1988 home video had overtaken the theatrical box office in terms of revenue. So it was a huge, huge market. And there were all kinds of special interest titles that are starting to flood the market about everything from fishing to wrestling to this sort of thing. And overwhelmingly, it was a male-dominated marketplace. It was geared towards Men, and specifically anything dealing with sexuality. There was like a huge booming industry of everything from more hardcore pornography to just sort of like boner comedies that were designed around young men who wanted to see exposed breasts. And there wasn't a lot of comparable material for women, uh, heterosexual women. And, and so I think, in a way, this film, when I watched it, it struck me as a maybe very uh, ahead of its time kind of feminist statement in a way, in that it's trying to make something directly for the home video market that caters specifically to women wanting to have a fun kind of sexy night, whether that's alone with a partner or even just with a group similar to the bachelorette party that's in the film. Uh, I kind of get the impression that this movie is trying to turn things on its head and give people, you know, you think about some of these uh, uh, male oriented strip clubs. They're l- not like strip clubs that a lot of men go to to look at women where it's really just about, you know, being desirable and taking off your clothes. There's more of a production, more of a show. There's more emotional content to it. There's even this sort of feeling of almost like kind of embarrassing. It's, the an, women. Experience. Uh, it's yeah. an experience. It's an experience. And I, I think this is an attempt to utilize the home video market to create an experience like that for women who are very much underserved in this marketplace at the time. Now, I don't know if that is accurate. But that is the theory that I formulated while watching it. And I kind of enjoyed watching it on that level, just from a kind of like sociological perspective of looking at this as a a relic of that time that tried to do something unique and different. And that made it uh, exciting to watch. And there's something kind of subversive and cool about that.
0: I mean, that's it sounds subversive and cool,
2: whether or not it was true that it is true now. Do you know what I mean? It's it's true in my heart. There's a part yeah. that almost doesn't want to know because now I get to have that experience with this movie. <laughs> and if it turns out that it was just like something done to turn a quick buck and, you know, they had no idea about any of this, that would be disappointing. But I don't think so. There's enough going on in the movie that is very knowing and self-aware that I do think it uh, had bolder intentions than maybe would immediately be clear looking at it.
0: Interesting.
2: And how did you watch it?
7: Well, I'm someone who watches films um, mostly for, um, or at least first, on the first watch, uh, for their um, narrative impact. Like, I I like a good story. Um, I usually get pretty wrapped up in that story, um, and I'm not noticing a lot of the, like, cultural or the, even like the production type of things on the first mm-hmm. go-round, perhaps subconsciously, but not. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty wrapped up in what's going to happen and yeah. what is happening. Yeah. So I might have enjoyed a, like a third act in this movie of any kind,
1: probably. Hi, Sandra Knox back on the scene. We appear to be traveling to an exciting destination, which is...
3: Excuse me, Aaron, where are we going?
1: God, you know, I don't
3: know, Sandra, but hey, Rocky... He'll tell you. Uh, Who does this limousine belong to?
1: Um, I just assume it belongs to Richard. Unless, of course, Insider's View was kind enough to furnish it. Well, of course, Insider's View is always willing to provide transportation within reason. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thirsty! It's coming, it's coming. Right. Well hurry it up, down the road. Woo-hoo! here to you. Hi, girls. Hey. Where are you going? Class class! Oh, Hi. she got a man! She, she got, got a man! Her. I am so jealous. I am so jealous. Hi, girls. Oh, you're going to be your driver today? Hi, Rocky. Hi, Rocky. You set? Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, we don't want to spoil it here, but uh, there is a kind of surprise that occurs uh, at uh, the conclusion of the limo sequence. Yeah. I Did you see that coming? Because I didn't. N-
7: um. No. And maybe I should have. Maybe I should have. But I guess maybe the problem for me was that there was not a lot of uh, conflict or stakes involved at any point. So... Uh, there was nothing to be eager about being resolved
0: i do not need conflict with my male strippers (laughs) when i'm at a strip show i I want it to be a conflict-free zone
7: fair
2: yeah the lack of conflict in the narrative here i think pretty closely ties this film in that way to uh miyazaki's my neighbor totoro oh Oh,
7: you know i'm sure this film gets that all the time
2: (laughs) all the time
0: Um, so I found this email from RMTA. Yeah, the old recording. It's like a news story. group. Yeah, the news group. Yeah, yeah. You know, back before the internet had pictures and things on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody was like, "I found this." Not
6: too long ago,
0: I bought a video titled "The Party." And I think that that was the person who transcribed the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I feel. Because but
7: they didn't record it. I guess they couldn't. There wasn't. It was, was back in the like, day. Back
0: in the day. Yeah, and then and then on that. On that mailing on like a reply to that email was Corey Lombardelli, mm-hmm. who was like, Yeah, that's my band the Rugburns. And uh Cindy Marble was in the band and she recorded that song with Tori Amos and this was who played bass and this was who played drums and life was great. So that was from two thousand four. So it's been thirteen years since since any traction has been made on this movie. Um. So when you listen to the song, Nothing Like a Man, that song was written after you left the band. Is it like a time capsule for you? Did it just take you back instantly? Did you feel connected to the music?
5: You know, it's like I remember when the song had started to form.
0: You mean when they were writing it?
5: Yeah, I remember them getting together to uh, collaborate on some stuff. I remember the title of the song and that, that she was excited about it and... It was kind of right towards the end there.
1: So,
0: So tell us a little bit about young Tori as you remember her at that time. Okay.
5: Yeah, my um, Cindy and Tori became friends, I think, through her friend Clay. That also had a horse um, had a horse up at, at Sunset Stables, so they were friends from the horses mm-hmm. and, and she was um, he was going out with Tori so they were living in a place off of Beachwood, up in the Hollywood Hills, and we would go by there and visit them and, play um, playing Tori? yeah, and, and Tori I mean, she's like so pretty and just, um so, so uh, interesting and talented. And when when we did get to see her like sit down and play, it's like kinda, I, I always like was like, oh yeah, she's gonna do something. Yeah, just because it's like, it was so good. You know, she just her playing and singing, you were like blown away, how good she was. Um, so that was always fun going by there. Um, I remember one day going up there, and she she came home, and she was so excited. She had just done a, a Kellogg's commercial. <laughs> yeah, she did a. I think it was the cereal it was called Just Right or something. Right. Yeah, it was. Introducing Kellogg's Just Right cereal, the perfect harmony between
4: Change.
5: four wholesome grains, each one crisp and crunchy, Ooh. with the sun-rich goodness of raisins, nuts, and chopped dates taste that's so rich in nutrition, you get 100% of 11 vitamins and minerals. Ah! New Kellogg's Just Right, the perfect harmony
4: between taste and nutrition, with fruit or all grains
5: And she right. did a commercial and she was so excited about it, just like, wow, this is great, you know. And um, and then, you know, she had her band Why um, Can't like Tori Read? Right. And uh, we had we went like a few times to go see them play. Oh, really? Yeah, she was she was trying to get the band signed, I think, right about that time. I was impressed with the band, too. It was like, you know, when, when we got to see them, I was like, wow, they're really good. And she was really good. Oh, and my my mom and uh, and her husband had uh, some dogs, and they had puppies. And actually, one of the puppies ended up with Clay and Tori. Oh, they, they got a puppy from my mom.
0: Oh, that's so cute. Can you speak to the relationship that Cindy and Tori had? Was it? Did, did you know were they were they close? Or
5: you know, they were, and and Cindy was real. Uh, she's a very spiritual person. Mm -hmm. so so she was uh, she was reading stuff like uh, A Course in Miracles Mm -hmm. and um, I I think they just when they became friends you could tell that they they were just very you know close and you know had had the same interests like music and spirituality and so, so that's how they became closer
4: I guess
0: um tori is quoted as saying that cindy marble changed the course of her life in that she cindy marble is the one who encouraged her to put away why can't tori read and and do what she does which is play piano and sing um, yeah do you recall a shift in that time like do you recall you, you said you spoke already about having watched her play and sing and how good you thought she was um, can you speak to anything on, on Tori's musical journey at this time maybe?
5: You know um, I, I just read that that, that uh, Cindy had actually, you know, that they sat down and Tori played for, for like five hours and, mm-hmm. and Cindy, mm-hmm. Cindy said, you know why are you trying to be like a, you know, uh, well, I think she's like Lita Ford or something yeah, yeah, something like that why are you trying to be this, you know rocker or something when you've got so much more just within yourself and I think um, I think shortly after that we had actually gone to see her at a piano bar mm-hmm. she was playing solo at a piano bar at the I think it was LAX Marriott yeah and we you know Cindy was like hey you want to go see Tori and so we went and, and saw her playing there and um no, it was cool going to see our friend play yeah yeah but um, she was she was just so so pretty and so nice and you know was so incredibly talented you Now, of course when when she did hit it big it was like i knew her
0: So how does it feel, Amber, to be the one to discover something very rare, like one of the most rare moments in Tori's history? How does it feel?
3: Pretty cool. It's just so weird and obscure. Like, I I bought the Datamax tape. I'm like, I've never even seen a Betamax tape. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. (laughs)
0: Listening to the Rugburns, do you hear any old, any vocal stylings that sound familiar?
3: Yeah, I definitely hear, like some influence it's a very uh why can't tori read era and and i feel like tori and cindy kind of sound similar
0: they do don't they they really do a little
3: bit you know i tori to me has the most unique voice ever but hearing cindy sing it's like oh they kind of i can see a similarity a little bit
0: definitely i feel like listening to the cd um You know, Tori's voice now—Tori's voice, Little Earthquakes and Beyond, is so different than Tori's Why Can't Tori Read voice, you know? Yeah. But the Why Can't Tori Read voice is so similar to Cindy Marble's Rugburn's voice, you know what I mean?
3: (laughs) It is! So it's really hard.
0: Listening to Nothing Like a Man, do you suspect you know where she is? I think she's like in the background vocals at the end, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's
3: definitely the background vocals.
0: You know, I hear her most in the chorus, like, away in the distance. Um, yeah. Are you going to request this song on the next tour?
3: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and why not? Know. Well, Dora mentioned earlier, the lyrics are on Yes Said, so I think we should... Have Shaggy do a dramatic reading of those lyrics. What do you guys think?
7: Please.
2: Absolutely. Ready I've never it. wanted anything more. He's been
0: doing dramatic readings of uh, old Dent reviews in the last few episodes. We've yeah. been listening. Oh,
7: okay, yeah. great. I, I, <laughs> I was played back my own text recently.
0: <laughs> well, here's Shaggy reading the lyrics, but the actual lyrics, the ones on Yes Said, must be an early version. We'll be back.
8: This feeling starts under my skin. My eyes begging to you, begin. I'm trembling in a familiar way. I know I've been here before. I know the price I pay. Your dark eyes hypnotizing me. I know you're who you want to be. And your arrow has a name so true, comes straight from the heart of you. You see, that's why I want to be inside of you, lost in your jungle land. I want to be inside of you, because there's nothing like a, nothing like a man. My body's filled with your scent, your hands exploring me, so innocent. And you know you've got the power to set me free or make a prisoner out of me. You see, that's why I want to be inside of you, lost in your jungle land. I want to be inside of you, because there's nothing like a, nothing like a man. You call my fears, you understand. You lick my tears, you hold my hand. You call my fears, you understand. You lick my tears. You know that there's nothing, nothing like a man. No, no. There's nothing like a, nothing like a man. No, there's nothing like a man, because there's nothing like a man.
0: all know shaggy <laughs> did you recognize shaggy there reading our lyrics
2: you know i did you it, recognize his voice it's difficult to not recognize you, uh, shaggy? he He's doing
0: great character work i asked him to read it like erotic poetry
2: you know the thing about erotic poetry <laughs> is that without the right kind of vocal quality shaggy
0: is beloved across the land no
2: i, I was about to compliment him oh, please do i was going to say without the right quality of voice uh, it's not really hot. It's just sort of intellectually stimulating. But I think when you have somebody like, for example, a shaggy, uh-huh, right? It can really uh, raise turn, the temperature turn, turn of the room. In, yeah. yeah, took it up a
0: notch. Yeah, it feels pretty hot in here. Um, uh, you were saying off air that you wanted him to read lesbian poetry next.
2: Well, only because there's something uh, notably masculine about the quality of his voice, and I think it would be interesting to get that perspective coming through that voice right
0: yeah that's one word i have is butch
4: and now our feature presentation
1: what a dedicated little wave she is (laughs) kathy i've got a present for you before you turn into an old married woman so ladies relax please you too Didi, and enjoy the fashion show because there is nothing like a man Exploring